0: Everyone, welcome back to Morgan hasn't seen it for the finale of our not your average rom-com series, and Janine, oh my God, have you nailed this topic on the head with today's movie? This isn't only not your average rom-com. It's it's not really a rom-com at all, is it? Okay, sure. There's dark romance in it. There's dark comedy in it. But this is really a psychological sci-fi movie that just happens to be about romance and romantic partnerships, whilst also being admittedly very dryly funny. So it's definitely not your average (laughs) rom-com. I think it probably uh, fits that bill better than maybe even all the others that we've done in this series because technically at times you could you would be justified in considering it some form of a rom-com this is also another one of my bucket list movies from the 250th special of Morgan hasn't seen. Yes. I'm sure you're feeling very pleased with yourself that you've already <laughs> been able to incorporate more than one of those movies.
1: Yes, so I'm I'm being feeling very accomplished that I was able to check two of those bucket list films for you in this one series alone. Um, I would definitely say this film has, you know, I think it centers around romance as kind of the main theme of the film. So uh, the fact that it's with this kind of very dry, as you said, humor and comedy, I think it's perfect. I think um, the other films in this series definitely had subtle kind of fun uh, through lines that separated them from your typical rom-com, but this just (laughs) veers so far from any of that Um, and it's really interesting. So I was really excited to throw this in the mix of everything and save it for last because I felt like this was going to be the most you film and the film that really kind of defined what I'm calling not your average rom com, the best. So, well,
0: well, I mean, it's strange that you would consider this the most me movie (laughs) of all. I don't. I have no idea why you would consider this movie the most morgan movie of them even though we all of course know exactly why it's because this movie is exactly my kind of weird <laughs> out there original and, and interesting thoughtful idea yeah. while being just very very entertaining and funny and, and really engaging but while having so much interesting humanity to explore in what is a very inhuman world, a very forced world, dystopian world. The the, the romance itself that, yes, is central to this entire movie is not even romance in in a traditional sense. It's this forced need for romance. And I don't just mean personal, emotional need for romance. I mean like governmental legal need for romance, where if you are not in a romantic partnership, you do not deserve to be a human being anymore. Bye-bye yeah. bye your humanity. That yeah. is the point of yeah. this movie. It is, of course, the lobster from 2015, Yorgos Lanthimos, and in in all his nonsense glory. <laughs> of I think, was, was this like his... I mean, I know it's not his like first movie, but it felt like this was a real breakthrough for yes. him. Yes, yes. I, I well, he he he, g- for, for I think for g- most people, this was g- the movie that,
1: yeah, that most people kind of started getting that name recognition for him and his style with this one. Definitely, yeah.
0: I forget. There's a movie from a few years before the Lobster, Dog Tooth, which yes. is kind of I think his first real movie. Um, I mean, I suppose that's not even fair to say because I think he did, he does, or he did work in Greek movies for a little bit and on, on a lot of Greek shorts. I want to say music-based things and that sort of yeah. stuff. But yes, I think it's fair to say for, for for major audiences, the Lobster is a real breakthrough or was a real breakthrough for Yorgos Lanthimos that has since, you know, led him to to go on to do killing of a sacred deer and the favorite and poor things of course from this past year um, and really craft a niche for himself in this world, in this eccentric world of very odd people in odd situations, terrifyingly original ideas um, even when they are based on pre-existing material that the execution of them is really very original, something we don't really see anybody else. Do you know you're watching a Yorgos movie when you're watching a Yorgos movie? And now having watched multiple of them myself, having, before I saw Poor Things, not watched any Yorgos Lanthimos movie. And I only watched Poor Things in late January. Yeah. I think or early, even early February, so not that long ago at all. I've been on a little little bit of a kick, as much as you can be on a kick of somebody that really only has four or five movies. <laughs> um I I he is consistent in yeah. the style and the execution of his movies clearly. And what struck me again about the lobster is this real bluntness in speech bluntness in dialogue bluntness in character where everybody seems to say what they mean in the most direct way it it's hilarious to me and i find this sort of stuff really funny anyway this is how my comedic brain works i think i I'm a fan of dryness, I am a fan of out there bluntness or absurd bluntness that just seems so uncomfortable <laughs> or too, you know, too direct to, to deal with from myself. So a, a, a laugh comes out, A that reaction is provoked from within me. And I think it basically boils down to the fact that I am a phenomenally flowery person when it comes to speaking and explaining and love to really use far more words than is actually necessary. And Jorgos's and dialogue is the complete opposite. He uses yes. literally <laughs> the only words necessary and absolutely no more unless he is going for some sort of humorous idea. Yeah. And he'll kind of perhaps explain something in some sort of unusual metaphor, which is nice. Again, I suppose. But I was all about this movie, as you <laughs> expected. Yes. <me> to be.
1: <laughs> yes. Um yeah, I, I think it's really interesting what you said about how he uses words only so many that he needs you know, no more, no less, uh, very direct. I I think it's a really refreshing simplicity. This, this film has in its dog dialogue, uh, because I love, you know, conversational scenes that are done well, things like Tarantino films and Edgar Wright movies. Um, you know, I was a huge fan and, you know, we're covering it on Morgan Hasn't Seen TV, Dawson's Creek, where we have these teenagers using these $10 words and, and speaking very, eloquently and intelligently and and, uh, kind of just constant word vomit. So uh, when you have something that does these very straight, simple, short sentences and delivery to each other, and even in kind of inner thought and thinking and narration is super simple as well. It's super refreshing, super different, and it just stands out uh, for having a specific style for this director that really sets him apart. And uh, kind of also works with the comedy of the film as well. Plays really well into the yeah. dry, the dryness uh, of the the film's uh, kind of more comedic aspects.
0: And we cry out for stuff like this. I think we always have cried out for stuff like this in throughout movie history. As as you know, as movie watchers, movie fans, movie lovers, people, human beings, we cry out for something a bit different, something fresh, something original, and something aside from the major players in the movie world at any given time. Yeah, And Yorgos definitely is is that. He is somebody that can sell a movie now based on his name, which is a director's greatest asset, I think and the sign of a true great. And I think he is a modern great. It would be, it's in you can't have that argument. He is a modern great because of how he's been able to craft a trademark, a persona all his own, and be successful critically and financially off that.
1: Particularly, yes, for just having these weird, strange ideas and those uh, being kind of, there being a need for that and people really uh, embracing it and not veering away from it as too experimental or weird. Uh, It kind of reminded me of a video I saw today of somebody talking about uh, Twin Peaks and it being this cultural phenomenon when it came out. Um, Twin Peaks feels like a kind of thing that would be kind of embraced, like fail, upon its initial kind of run and then gain cult status later. But when it came out, it was very popular and kind of created early fandoms. And it was something that the TV market didn't have. You know, we're just dealing with sitcoms and, you know, game shows and things like that. And so to bring this weird show in with supernatural elements and all kinds of weird things was super refreshing for audiences. And so I feel like, you know... Yorgos Lanthimos is really able to kind of come into a very traditional film world and do these interesting experimental things and people immediately embrace it because it's uh just not something we see all the time and it it stands out from what we're used to seeing and it really kind of challenges us in a lot of interesting ways. So
0: yeah, um talking more specifically about this movie itself, The Lobster, I suppose, is that it's able to also bring experimentalism in story and an idea and concept while having enough of what we would recognize as mainstream Hollywood or mainstream acting, you know, mainstream movies in there for us to not just view it as some sort of art house thing that nobody wants to see. I mean, these people, I am of the impression as well that a a lot of art i just don't i've never understood a lot of art house kind of movies yeah um or the the appeal of them like why would i want to watch anything that is you know 90 minutes of the color blue on screen with a, a narration telling the story or you know, yeah. or just audio. To I'll, I'll I'll listen to the a radio play for that. I don't need <laughs> yeah. to watch. Do I, why, why am I watching this? Yeah. Um. That is a movie. I, I can't remember who did that movie, but it's literally called Blue. It's from the nineties. I think it's a bit too out there for my sort of taste. But where my taste does lie is taking these experimental concepts, having mainstream players in there. Look who's in this movie. Colin Farrell is your leader of this movie. Very mainstream, pretty Hollywood actor.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. (laughs) Yes. There's plenty of recognizable actors in this movie, lots of recognizable faces going on, all taking bold choices to do out there things with their performances to help craft this unique aura that is this movie. And that is the best kind of experimental movie because it's experimental movie-making that people can get behind, that people don't feel like is trying to be too pretentious for its own good. It's not trying to be too pretentious for its own good. It's just great and unique and something different, and we can all get behind that. So I have every love for everything that's going on in concept of The Lobster as well as the interesting things about the movie itself. I mean, I I hope a situation like this never, ever happens. This is a terrifying idea and a terrifying movie when you boil it down to it. You are legally obliged to be in a romantic partnership with somebody. Let's call this what it is as well. The romantic partnerships that you actually see in this movie are the least romantic, romantic partnerships you've ever seen in any
1: movie ever. (laughs) Yes, and I think that's kind of what the messaging is telling you. Like, people so hung up and critical of people who aren't in relationships, um to the degree that it feels almost like you're living in this world where everyone's in a coupling. um, But things are not as they seem when you kind of force people into a relationship. It's not, it's kind of just as pointless as being alone in a lot of ways. So I think it plays with those concepts and those societal pressures in such an intelligent way. Um, And also just kind of the, the, this is a different look at what we, it challenges what we think of when we think of a dystopian world or a dystopian movie, because, you know, dystopia, you're thinking like desolate and nothing and yeah, scarce yeah, supplies. Yeah. And this you're is an existing or,
0: or, yes, like that. or the
1: walking dead or something like that, um, where the world has gone under and there's no electricity and like all of this kind of thing, or like the last of us kind of world. um, but this is a fully functioning existing world, but it's a dystopian world because there are people that are kind of forced to live outside of that um, because they don't want to live by these societal pressures. And so, you know, they're having to kind of scavenge and figure things out and, and live on the outskirts. And uh, there's kind of this really strict, ideology and system in place uh, so it has all of those elements of a dystopian kind of story with the dictator and those kinds of elements but it plays like the world looks like a familiar place so we can kind of dip one toe and feel the familiar aspects of it even when these characters feel almost inhuman at times and how they deliver lines and how they emote but when we get to see kind of the dirty underbelly of their true feelings or their true actions, then we, we relate to them on a human level. So it really, it plays with that, that one minute they feel like almost robotic in a lot of ways. And then when we kind of get this behind the scenes view of how they really think or feel, um, that's the human element that we can then kind of connect to as a viewer so it does a lot of really interesting things with the world with the character and just challenging you know what we think we know about this type of genre and these types of characters
0: it's that perfect uncanny valley where we recognize these people as perfectly normal human beings who we see who we may see in our day-to-day lives outside of this movie you know and we recognize that the location the world as being our world that we live in that we see places that look like this we we live in cities that look like this yet everything just has that edge to it yeah where it just you have to register that oh no wait something something bad's gone on here we know nothing about what's gone on here. We know nothing as to why the world has become the world of this movie. Yet it's still obviously our world, but something's happened. We refer to everything by the most vague of terms. The city they, you know, exist in in this movie is just referred to as the city. The city, A yeah. hotel where they go to do this, um, you know, romantic coupling. Uh, Situation for 45 days, or you become an animal, is just known as the hotel. All the characters, pretty much all the characters, are just known by their characteristic, not names. Nobody's really given a direct name. You are stripping away all these emotional elements, which is so clever for a movie centered around romantic partnerships to do. To be so completely invested in stripping every emotional element we yeah. you possibly have to location, to other people, to anything. Um, stripping it all away. And making the struggle of the coupling in this movie so intense. Like, how anybody... Gets to be in real romantic relationships in this hotel setting, living this hotel life. That's essentially just kind of a free prison. Um, Yeah, it's 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 really like a a luxury luxury prison. A luxury prison. You are free to do whatever you want, but you have to stay. You can't go anywhere. You are there for a certain amount of time, and you have to do certain things at certain times.
1: And you have you're not allowed to use facilities.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: <laughs> and you're not allowed to use facilities that are reserved for people in couplings. So tennis courts and things that require two people, you're not allowed to do. You're only allowed to do like yeah. recreational activities that one person can do. Uh, there's even uh, a kind of lesson they try to teach you by making you they buckle one of your hands to your belt for a whole day so you get the feeling of how you know, difficult it is to do things by yourself as an incentive to like, oh, I need to find somebody so that I won't have to do things by myself. So they even try to, you know, punish you in that way, um, for doing single person activities. So
0: yeah, I think they I think they phrase it as this this handcuffing your your hand to your belt. I think they phrase it as will this will teach you how more benefit how much more beneficial it has to have two of something rather than just one mm-hmm. and everything about this movie everything about you know the the ideas of the characters in this movie is this terrifying fear need to be in a a romantic relationship but everything about the outside idea of this movie why this movie is actually being made I think this is a celebration of the freedom of single life, really, to be honest. Yeah, and a judgment
1: on those people who force you and society that forces you or tells you a relationship is so perfect because then we see what happens in these forced relationships and how unsuccessful they are.
0: (laughs) And, you know, thankfully, once we get later on in the movie, we, we get to a stage where Colin Farrell, you know, seems to develop genuine emotional feelings for a woman, Rachel Weiss. And, you know, that is treated very much as something you want to see succeed yeah. rather than all these crafted, curated relationships that have taken place in this hotel that, you know, we we've seen be very much forced upon these people. Yeah. Like people who live in the city who are single – are literally taken to this hotel through legal means. They're not allowed to be single and live in the city. This this doesn't, this is not just not allowed. Yeah, we that. see a
1: woman in the mall, and you know she's wearing a wedding ring, and they question her. Where's your husband? And she's like, Oh, he's on vacation. They look up her marriage certificate, and it's uh, you have to carry your marriage certificate around, uh, and it's expired. And so they're like detaining her and and frisking her, and it's this whole kind of cop procedural situation for her just being a single woman shopping in the mall. So, yeah.
0: It's it is terrifying. It's low-key terrifying. And I think that's such a a great layer to this movie. The fact it can have all these different kinds of things because it is very funny at times as well. The bluntness, the directness of every conversation. Yeah. leads to some really absurdly funny moments and absurdly yeah. funny scenes and, and conversations between people. And it's great like that, but it's also a truly terrifying almost sci-fi horror movie.
1: Yes. And at it, times.
0: It, and it just depends how you are reading this movie at any given time. Yeah. I mean, it also depends perhaps on your own personal life, your own personal experiences. I mean, I'm watching this as a single person, who, when I began watching this movie, what did I think this movie was going to be? Yes, I had these ideas of what this movie was. Admittedly, I thought it was actually Colin Farrell slowly turning into a lobster because he hadn't got with anybody (laughs) yet. I thought it was more like, a, you know, the fly situation.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) It slowly turns into that. No, it's really kind of, you know, this hotel's procedure is a 45 days or minimum of 45 days. We'll get onto that concept as well. Minimum of 45 days in this hotel. And then you are immediately turned into the animal at the end of your tenure there, the end of your stay there, if you haven't found a suitable partner. Um, it's not kind of this slow body horror almost that i maybe yeah. was expecting i don't quite know why i was expecting that from it but perhaps that was just what i got in my head but i was quite thankful actually that it wasn't that because it i suppose made me lean into thinking about it from more of a psychological drama point than yeah. some sort of body horror movie which would have perhaps taken me out of the genuine humanity that it's trying to latch onto it's trying to hold on to because yeah. as soon as you go into body horror you immediately just become very conceptual as a movie and you know very idea based as a movie and yes okay it's like that as well but you lose a certain human emotion when you're seeing someone be half a monster essentially yeah. You lose that, and you never lose that human connection, I think, with Colin Farrell, even though he is one of the most bland, dull, boring creatures to have <laughs> ever been a character in a movie. Yes. In, in the Lobster, he's so unbelievably dull. He's like that energy vampire from what we do in The Shadows. He's so <laughs> dull.
1: Yes. And the fact that they cast him to play this part, this very kind of charismatic, fast talking, known to be very, you know, known for his looks kind of actor, especially when he was first kind of come up and coming. um, That was kind of his whole trademark. And so I think because that was his thing right out the gate with his career. He's subsequently tried to fight against his beauty in a lot of his roles. And so I think this is just another one of those opportunities for him to really delve into a huge polar opposite from how people view him. Um, You know, being this schlubby, kind of lumpy, um, not really well put together kind of guy with this mustache and glasses and uh, just kind of very boring and uh, quiet, um, nervous a little bit yeah, kind of person. So I, I just, he, knowing who he is or, you know, what we see him as, as Colin Farrell, the man, and then kind of seeing what he did in this role is, I think, really impressive.
0: It, it is. It's a great, great performance. It, you know, I, I, I like Colin Farrell anyway. I have an awful lot of respect for Colin Farrell as an actor, but it's increased tenfold after watching this movie because I don't think I've ever quite seen him be so daring in a yeah. role that he is in this, you know, compared to what he's usually doing. Like even, God, I mean, even playing the Penguin In the Batman, okay, you you can't tell it's Colin Farrell. He's wearing all these prosthetics to make himself look like the Penguin, but he's still bringing a certain brash charisma to performance and and a loudness and an expected persona of somebody like Colin Farrell. This isn't. This is so far away from From any of that. He's just a
1: guy who kind of melts into the background. Um so really it, it, it takes
0: such skill to play a character like that so that that that, that we can get behind that we yeah. can endear ourselves to that we can entirely want to see succeed in his goals in this movie, which ultimately yes is to actually find a romantic partner, but it becomes in it becomes finding a true romantic partner rather than the hotel's idea of a romantic partner. Because I thought this entire movie would take place at this facility. You know, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize it kind of would jolt halfway through yeah. to into the what is forest, essentially the
1: loners, people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, to what is an, essentially an escape of the hotel. Yeah. From yeah. Colin Farrell to go and live with the loner people, who they all hunt every day. I'd like to point out at a scheduled yeah. time, the hotel um, guests all are escorted out to these woods to hunt the loners. And if you tranquilize so many loners, in you get any more
1: days added to your stay more at the hotel. Days?
0: Yeah. If you kill people. You get yeah. more days. That's yeah. a horrible concept as well. This brings up the horror movie aspect. Again, it's as soon as you start to to, to look into it, you just realise how truly terrifying this movie is, because it isn't far away, you know, from our own reality. Yeah, um, the,
1: the 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 societal reality well, of how people view single people. You know, we're yeah. just kind of coming off of Valentine's Day, and how this holiday kind of makes single people feel—not um, very nice. I'll <laughs> say
0: that, Janine. I'll uh, I, I'll attest to that one.
1: I mean, it's very interesting, and and I, I you know I'm coming at it from a perspective of a not single person who was not in a forced. Is not in a forced relationship. Well, oh, that's good. Um, at least you're not in
0: a forced <laughs> relationship.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but hey, you know, just give me a child and that, that'll make it better. That, that fix the true. problem. That's <laughs> true, yeah. What about I, that? That yes. line from Olivia Colman just about how, <laughs> and if you, the arguing continues, we'll give you a child. We found that that helps in most cases, in, in quite a lot of cases.
0: Okay. Is Olivia Coleman not just the perfect person to play this kind of role as well, though? Yes. This stern, supposedly pleasant and, and genial kind of person. Yeah. Well, there's malice behind those big eyes of Olivia Coleman. Yeah, And Yorgos clearly liked her well enough to cast her as Queen Anne in The Favourite and win her Oscar. Yes. So... Yeah. yes i mean not that yorgos um, won her oscar for her she did that herself it was all it was all olivia Coleman. but the point was he gave her the chance to
1: yes but it's just interesting to watch this movie from different relationship perspectives and really kind of pick different things out of it and really see what it's trying to say and like kind of the things it's uh, trying to highlight and just this yeah. extreme version of what we know in in general society how people feel about things so yeah i, I think they well, went about that really really intelligently
0: maybe i you know when i when it was first starting you know when when i watched only a little bit of the movie i was thinking obviously me watching this as a as a single person this movie is just going to make me miserable isn't it because it's literally just going to be like 2 hours of <laughs> every character here telling you you have to be in a relationship and you're bad if you're not and Colin Farrell's just going to become more and more miserable because he's not in a relationship isn't it and then when it comes to be actually about not forcing anything yeah ultimately you 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 find the group that's happy being single But even they aren't good people.
1: No, and they have their own kind of dictatorship uh, in how they view the world and how you have to view the world. And there's somebody always telling you how to be. Um, And and you can't win either way. Whether you're single, you know, if you find love, it's wrong. And then if you don't find love, uh, it's wrong. So you're kind of screwed whichever end of the stick. Um, Yeah
0: this is this is the bizarre mentality yeah. of, of Leah Saidu in this movie and her and her group of her band of loners. Because she then demands when Colin Farrell goes to join them after going through all of his ordeals, and we'll speak a little bit more about all them because there's quite hilarious things going on with John C. Riley and Ben Wishaw and a woman a completely psychotic woman who just likes killing everything in sight oh, yeah, and the
1: heartless woman is she's credited actually.
0: the heartless woman and the nosebleed woman who Ben Wishaw ends up with um they you know they have a really great solid uh, relationship built on the foundations of trust and truth their relationship isn't it yeah. no yeah. it's not at all <laughs> Ben Wishaw's that desperate that he has to force himself to have nosebleeds by Beating his head on tables, yeah. and cutting the inside of his septum to to force his nose to bleed, so the nosebleed woman will think they're compatible.
1: Yes, because everybody has to have a compatible trait, and that's what matches them. Um, you know, if it's since when has alive, that been a thing? Either right? that, you have to have at least one defining. Yes, you have to have at least one defining trait compatible with somebody for it to be accepted as a legitimate you know pairing so that kind of what should i have to
0: look for (laughs) tell me tell me what 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 should i have to look for what trait do i have what's what what's my specific one character trait that every character in this movie is apparently allowed only one defining character trait then it just happens to be a limp
1: you're an old soul
0: but <laughs> everyone, everyone
1: thinks you're an old man, so you need to find someone who ever a young woman who everyone thinks is
0: acts like an old lady. Not necessarily, because that's not how real life works. It might happen like that. Who's to say? It might actually happen like, but it doesn't strictly have to. But no, according to the hotel and the hotel yes. manager, that's, that's exactly what they accept. What has to be done.
1: Yes. So he he fakes, you know, these nosebleed situations so that he can get into pairing because he's is getting close to you know the final days of the hotel stay. You get desperate, and so then he kind of goes he's panicking. With it. He's, he's yeah. panicking. You know, but too. then we get kind of a little bit of information throughout the film that they're not doing well that there are arguments and fighting so you know we get this line almost kind of a throwaway line from Olivia Colman you know if you know your pairing's not going well if there's arguing because they move you to different phases so once you get in a pairing then you move to a bigger room with a bigger bed and shared things and then if you do well there then you go to the yachts and you get to be on the yacht for a week or whatever and and have more privacy um, so so she kind of does have that throwaway line about if thing if you are arguing or fighting we'll give you a child we'll sign you a child so then late the next time we see him he has a child so then we know immediately things aren't going well because all of the relationship is based on a lie so that just kind of being this interesting way to tap into a real thing of you know relationships don't do well when they're based on a lie i think is just another fun way, an interesting way to illustrate a very kind of common known uh, yeah. thought process in relationships.
0: Yeah. But going going back to what I was saying about watching this and expecting to feel kind of miserable, um, <laughs> I'm glad ultimately that it, it doesn't turn into that because yes. Okay. Even when we are with the loners who Love being alone, you thrive on on being alone. They are strictly alone. They are now not allowed to develop natural romantic bond with each other for fear of mutilation and death.
1: Yes, you can't kiss, you can't flirt, all you can really do is have conversations. You can't, you know, they have their dance parties, but you
0: have to just, you know, dance on your own. Um So we've gone from one extreme to the complete other extreme. Here yeah. and really, what the movie is trying to say is don't be following any extreme societal belief when it yeah. comes to this sort of thing. Treat yourself as the individual you are and be individualistic, be your own person. If you want to fall in love with Rachel Weiss, and if you Rachel Vice wants to fall in love with Colin Farrell. Go ahead and do it. You shouldn't need to be fought. You shouldn't need to, to, to be, you know, under this fear of mutilation and death by Leah Sedu just because Leah Sedu can't find romance for herself. I, I think that's Leah Sedu's problem. You know, that's not anybody yeah. else's problem. She's the one who goes to the city and spends these awkward afternoons with her parents pretending she's married to some other loner dude.
1: And she's all play really, acting, yes, and you know that she runs some big business and she goes on business trips when she's really just living in the woods doing a whole lot of nothing um because she can't live in society um yeah do is great in the
0: movie as well yeah this is a she, really good role for someone like her,
1: yes I mean often
0: because, see as these kind of you often seem to see it as quite kind of emotionless characters i think she's good at playing that sort of thing yet there is i think a heavy emotion and a desperation to her in this and a,
1: and a sinister quality and like you have to sell that everyone is talking with this monotone dry few words direct type of way of speaking no one is inflecting no one is you know emoting in a very clear way to the audience but you still have to convey lov- convey levels of emotion. So the fact that she's talking just as straight and dry as everyone else, but you still read these kind of sinister notes in how she says things, or these commanding notes in how she's saying things, or these anger, angry way in how she's saying things, even though she's talking in this direct tone. I think that also takes a ton of, of talent and skill to, to be able to get that across
0: yeah all oh, these actually meaningfully loving notes when she's talking to that other french woman who is her insider into the hotel who kind of brings her things and yeah. gives her information and things like this um it's 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 really great to for really messing with what you think this movie's trying to tell you. And I love it for that. And I love the way it leaves us um, in this very individ- individualistic mindset in the very much do what you want to do thing. Yeah. But I mean, the very end leaves us not exactly knowing how far Colin Farrell is willing to go to, go to be for a true Rachel. individual.
1: Yes, and to be um, with Rachel Weiss.
0: And to be with Rachel Weiss. But that's what the movie wants you watching it, I think, to take away from it is absolutely, if you want to, find a natural romantic partner. This is perfect. But absolutely, if you want to, don't. That's fine, too. Just don't listen to these gaggles of people that are so obsessed with listening to each other that they can't think about any other possible outcome yeah which is is exactly what we have in this and it, you know you can you can put that thought onto onto any aspect of life it's not just romance you can put that thought onto politics religion All these big concepts where people on extreme sides will tell you this is right and that's wrong. No, this is right and that's wrong. No, actually, what about if me, I'm just here kind of flirting between all these different kind of things, picking up instances from maybe everybody and going, well, that's okay and that's okay And that's because I'm a human being. We're all individual. it's, It's life of Brian all over again, isn't it? It's. Oh, we are all individuals, and like and Brian sat up there on his on his bedroom window. this is after he's just exposed himself to the public um, and all of his followers who think he's Jesus is there underneath him and going, "Yes, we are all individuals, we can all think for ourselves, and they're just yeah. regurgitating what he's just said back at them because they're all. They're all sheep, Janine. We call them. We call them sheep. These these people should be turned into and, sheep. That's which is funny the because
1: they think their way of thinking is the best way of thinking, but they are in fact like being very much sheep. Um, uh I I was able to kind of make my own film comparisons as well. There's a film called Citizen Ruth, um, with um, oh, what's her name? What's her name? Laura Dern, and. It, it, it's about abortion. So she is like this junkie who has gotten pregnant nope. and now... We have, you know, this extreme of pro-life people trying to use her for their agenda and pro-choice people trying to use her for their agenda and trying to take the decision out of her hands on what she's going to do about this pregnancy. So very much feels like this societal telling you one thing or the other, one group thinking they're right. All the things you were kind of just talking about all kind of made me see that comparison uh, to this movie of, you know, the single person not being able to choose because a society is coming at them from two different extremes. Um, And so this is so well illustrated in this movie. Um, You know, community
0: is great. Yes. And you you see the good
1: things. I think you see the good things on both sides that come out of being able to, you know, the privileges of being in a couple is really illustrated in the hotel aspects. And then the kind of comforts of getting to just meet people and enjoy company, but doing things on your own, you see with the loners. So you see the good aspects, but then I love how the film shows those aspects deteriorating and then the societal pressure just kind of, uh, you know, diluting the positives in in ways yeah. of both kind of conversations
0: it's all about naturally coming to those conclusions yeah. yourself, yourself as an individual and just not being told by other people and just taking people's word for it because yeah. your beliefs are your beliefs and your experiences are your experiences and nobody else shares those people might think they know what you think but they don't because only you know what you think and feel
1: yeah
0: and that's you know that's that's just i think the best way to be I think it's also the easiest way to be because you're not then going you're not you're not living in in worry then you're not living in some sort of societal or societal anxiety where you you're thinking oh you know if i if I don't believe in this then I can't be with these people over here. Well, yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can because they're the people. Yeah. They're not cons. They're not just ideas. They're not walking phrases going around. I mean, they are in this movie, but the movie gets you thinking about this sort of thing and this this sort of belief pattern and this belief system in the world, where ultimately people are just idiots. Yeah. Who love hearing what they want to hear and can't take hearing anything else.
1: Yes. Um. So, you know, you talked a little bit about how you viewed it as a single person, me <laughs> as a not single person, as a married person. Yeah. Um. You know, I found myself Kind of looking at the the marriage tests that kind of happen in okay, this film, yes. like what I would do in those situations. So at a certain point, the loners decide to infiltrate the hotel and kind of uh, really put the people with these harsh ideas, you know, on blast. So they kind of take the manager. And her husband at gunpoint and force this situation and they ask the husband, they tie her up and ask him, you know, which one of you could live without the other. So then I'm trying to like, so that's, those were the aspects where I was kind of, kind of putting those questions on my relationship and being like, how do I You know, like, do I see me being able to survive without him or him being able to survive without me? Or, you know, who would have the worst time, you know, surviving without the other?
0: I (coughs) would question are these healthy things to be thinking about?
1: I know, and and things I wouldn't think about, but because it's it's staring me in the face in this movie, if someone's holding me at gunpoint, you know...
0: (laughs) Nobody's holding you at gunpoint. This is no,
1: fine. definitely not. But like those were the aspects in 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 yeah, you know, those were the relationship questions that were coming up for me as somebody watching it in the opposite situation of you. Um, those were yeah. the parts of the film that were had me like, Ooh. <laughs> like yeah, yeah.
0: I I just I I just I just love that I what I took from it ultimately is the best way of doing this kind of thing is find it naturally yeah. and when it comes naturally roll with it as uh, the the supremes and later phil collins sang you can't hurry love <laughs> yes and thus thus runs true in the lobster you yes. can't hurry love
1: yeah, this should have, um, should
0: have been the soundtrack to this movie. Although it would have been a little out of place, it's not a movie that requires any sort of poppy soundtrack.
1: N- no, um, but as you mentioned at up top, there are quite a few dark elements. I mean, this film opens with a woman frantically driving somewhere. Um, she mm. gets out of her car and she shoots like a bull or something. It's like a bull? Yeah. thing. And I, mean,
0: I think is it not a donkey like a or a horse? A donkey
1: yes donkey um uh and so she shoots the donkey and then another donkey kind of walks over to that donkey and is, like looking at it um so then you know you don't really know what this means if this is your first time watching it so like what were your thoughts were you already kind of getting what that meant when you first saw that opening scene
0: well yes i think so because i knew people became animals in this movie so i assumed this donkey was somebody she knew like maybe, maybe her a,
1: husband and he her, left her yeah.
0: <laughs> her ex-husband i would imagine something like that so i think i kind of yeah. did get get that um but the, i mean this concept in a in and of itself the, the turning into animals we've spoke about all the you know, dystopian sci-fi elements, the the psychological sci-fi elements of all this, you know, all these philosophical ideas that great sci-fi of this kind brings up. But the very weird, completely unhuman concept of changing somebody into an animal is where this movie becomes obviously totally unrealistic, yet needs that level of supernaturality i suppose
1: yes and to... and and something to add to the ticking clock that is not just yeah. like if you don't find somebody you're gonna die i think turning into an animal is a much more interesting kind of uh countdown situation you know yeah. than, than just death um because, because then we don't,
0: we don't recognize that as something yeah. that can happen i think we yeah. recognize death the fear of the unknown of turning into an animal and what that entails I think scares was more. So that's kind of more terrifying when you actually take time to think about it. Yeah. which And everybody has to pick which animal they want as well. Yes.
1: So that's on top of like the pressure of what society's telling you, you need to be in a relationship, this and that. You also have to kind of think ahead of, okay, well, what animal would I want to be if I don't make it? You know, what, can I be that's not going to get eaten that's not going to be on the food chain that's not going to be hunted or endangered or you know so many things go into this thought process because of how humans treat animals so that's just a whole another relationship layer you have to think of what's an animal that you think you could meet in the wild and and have a life with because you know Olivia Coleman talks about turning into an animal and your last day like Um, There's a girl who's the best friend of the girl who gets nosebleeds. And I think that's literally what her character name is. Um, Yeah, It's her last date. She hasn't made it. She hasn't met anybody who matches because her defining characteristic is her beautiful hair. And so Olivia Colman's telling her, you know, you get to spend your last day however you want. I suggest doing something that you can't do as an animal. So if you want to go for a walk, I wouldn't suggest that or or have intercourse because those are things you can do as an animal.
0: <laughs> Thank you for bringing you know. that up. I almost <laughs> forgot to discuss this element of the movie. Some of the most unemotional sex scenes you could ever wish for in this movie. I don't know what the hell's going on with some of these what's this ridiculous rubbing up against each other nonsense that happened several <laughs> times in the movie it doesn't even make any sense
1: yes because apparently like i i don't know if intercourse isn't allowed or um you have well, to because of... colin farrell <laughs> does actually colin
0: farrell and the psychotic woman have it
1: <laughs> well she does the same like rubbing up thing to him that the, the... yes but then it transpires and then they do. into
0: actual so, recognizable yes situations
1: and she's just staring I, I, at him in an evil <laughs> way
0: i mean it's horrifying to watch it, it's it's terrifying to watch y- yes so all this backing up on each other like you're some sort of well, 18 wheel truck yes, backing so into I, a bay on a warehouse i think you probably have to work up
1: to intercars, and particularly if you are a single person you know, the the ridiculous. maid the maid is telling him it's good for your 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 psychological state and your mental health to at least have some sort of stimulation. But then she doesn't even like do that to any kind of completion because at a certain point he's like, Can you just do it a little bit longer? Because they are not allowed to masturbate because that no, is a can't. single person's behavior, and you're not allowed to partake in any single person behavior, which no, is what happens to John Riley. C. Riley. He gets Don't in trouble really. because he's constantly masturbating and they find out. So in front of everybody at breakfast, they make him stick his hand that he uses in the toaster and burn his hand as punishment. I think the, the,
0: the, 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 the severe hypocrisy of everything that's going on in the yes. hotel is deeply, so, deeply yes. infuriating.
1: You can have intercourse as an animal. So I would suggest not doing that for your last day.
0: Um, if you want to watch if you want to watch a Yorgos movie with liberating sex scenes, watch poor things. <laughs>
1: okay. That's where you'll don't get, don't no, watch this movie. No, it's very stunted and uncomfortable. Um, But yeah. So apparently, yes. Intercourse, you know, is animals, I guess, but I think it depends on what animal you are. And so you have to kind of think about that. Um,
0: Oh, it's true. It, I mean, what if what if you turn what if you turned into a reptile? Or oh, one of those animals that play? like
1: self, you know, can change their sex and then have their own.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what if, no you, what for... if you want to become a seahorse? <laughs> where if you're the male, you get pregnant. Yes. You've not thought about exactly. that one, have you? Um,
1: so then the girl ultimately decides to watch Stand By Me as her final. Her final day situation, and, Olivia, and then Coleman, we... Olivia
0: Coleman seems thrilled about this. Seems thrilled yeah. about this. Well. Like, oh I, yes, that's like a, a wonderful choice.
1: Wonderful choice. Yes,
0: <laughs> a very nice film. Yes, good.
1: And well, like she, she does that too. When call Colin Farrell, she asks him like, "What animal would you want to be turned into?" And he like has given it a lot of thought. She's like, "Everyone says dogs because, and that's why the world is full of dogs because that's what everyone chooses." He actually has a dog who's his brother who who failed to make a match at the hotel and now yeah. his brother's a dog um, and it's his pet. And so he says a lobster, hence the title of the film. Um, because, you know, they uh, live for over 100 years, they're fertile and he loves the ocean. So he has a whole kind of thought out reason as to why he wants to be a
0: lobster. Like he, why, he, why, why, why does he have to bring up the fact they're fertile though? I mean, he's making really? himself to be like, oh, I mean, furtown to have children like, i guess because you know he I knows he... look at <laughs> chlubby mustache colin farrell and think about him thinking about his own fertility when he's a lobster <laughs> i don't want to think about this and the movie the movie within five minutes made me think as about,
1: thinking that. about that yes um what about john c Riley as a lisping parrot
0: which just seems to fit John C. Riley to me—a loud, rather annoying creature <laughs> who lasts lasts for a little bit longer than you might want it to. Uh, no, I, I don't mind John C. Riley. Actually, in 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 some things he can be loud and crass and annoying. In other things, can't he? Most notably in such things with Will Ferrell. But that's the i said about that, the better. <laughs> Um, however, he's pretty good in this movie. I can't fault John C. Riley in this movie. Like, I don't mind John C. Riley. I like John C. Riley. But yeah, I do a think a listing Parrot works. Yeah. But for someone like, do we ever even find out what Ben Wishaw would have wanted to be? I don't really no, know. He
1: just criticizes the two of them for what they want to be. Um, because that's he's starting right. to get yeah. frustrated because he's running out of time and so he gets very annoyed with them and like Insec- a ridiculous fight breaks out um,
0: insecurity is rampant yes. in and so
1: that's when he starts faking the nosebleed so that he can just make a match that's, and, that's right. and be on that's his right. way yes Um. but Colin Farrell also gets he, he's the only character with a name David he's the only one I guess Bob his dog <laughs> yeah uh, who's his brother. Um, he you know, also gets kind of forced into this, this society's pressure of finding someone before his time runs out at the hotel, because we get this kind of countdown clock. And every time the clock tells us, like his countdown of like, you have so many days in the hotel. Um, we show him trying to put this ointment on his back. So we see yeah. him struggling to do this behavior that would be so much more beneficial if he had a partner. So I like this kind of reminder, this digging reminder of you know, how tough loneliness is. Because the movie is thrusting that upon us. The movie is shaming yeah. people for being single and alone with these ridiculous reenactments of a woman walking alone. She'll get raped. If she's walking with somebody, she'll be safe. A man eating alone, he'll choke on his food. (laughs) A woman alone, or, or a man with a partner, she can save his life. So the movie is kind of thrusting these concepts on us. But when we just kind of get a stepped away illustration, like a natural illustration of that, I think it reads as more comfortable and, and more real than these kind of staged things that the hotel is kind of thrusting on these people and us as watching it.
0: Yeah, and, and the fact that it's able to paint such a clear picture and of, of difference between loneliness and being on your own is such a clever thing to actually yeah. to do. And I actually think a really beneficial thing for people like myself watching this movie who you know th- through whatever mental thoughts we may have as single people sometimes can confuse being on your own with loneliness yeah and maybe maybe you're actually not lonely maybe you're just on your own because yeah. loneliness is is something a little bit more intense it's a little yeah a little deeper deeper it's it's kind of sad and, and it's almost you actively not wanting to not be lonely but being on your own is something totally different and the movie embraces the choice to be on your own yeah it also embraces the choice to not be on your own but i think it does it, it, it does it does make you not want to be lonely, and there is that difference there. And it can, it's admittedly a difference that I I've struggled with and had perhaps problems differentiating the two. Yeah. And when a movie can make you actually think about your own mental well being in this yeah, kind of way, it's... actually benefit it. I think that's a great thing. I take oh, a lot from the lobster in actually feeling better, perhaps, about being single, even though, okay, you don't want to be necessarily. But maybe, maybe having this strict, you know, binary idea of uh, togetherness or loneliness, that's not healthy. That's yeah,
1: it it definitely illustrates how unhealthy that per, that pressure is and giving into that pressure. Um and it and just kind of illustrating it in this extreme ridiculous way just kind of helps you see how ridiculous it is for people to paint yeah. you in some kind of certain way because you're single.
0: Um
1: I just I just and, got
0: that very kind of personal emotion yeah. from it which I think is yeah. is great about this.
1: Yes. It's wonderful
0: yeah. that this movie is able, or well, was able to, to kind of bring that out in me because that. I genuinely believe that thought to be such a positive thought of no, actually, stop thinking so binarily. You know, lonely, you don't have to paint yourself as lonely. Yeah. You're just on your own. That's yeah. totally different. Yeah. Um, whether you, whether you want to be or not, but we won't go into that. Um, That's beside the point. But the idea is, is there. And I yes. kind of very much appreciated this movie for giving you all these things to think about when it comes to this kind of thing. Because oh, yeah. I am somebody that mentally struggles with this kind of thing day to day. That's me being very open. I, 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 I am, so...
1: Yeah, I think it's a very universal concept that a lot of people can tap into. Like this movie, you know, had me kind of questioning, not questioning, but kind of thinking about things in my own relationship as well. And, and you know, thinking deeper into those things that I never really think about. So, mm. you know, even as somebody on a different side of things, I was still able to really think about stuff and and uh kind of take this inner look at at my own relationship um but yeah i mean and, and having this dark tone to what i was getting to you know before we kind of close out the pressure that david's character is under as he only has a few days left so then he just decides to kind of make this phony match with the heartless woman um and again how um you know characters have this same tone of talking he has to shift to kind of be mean because he wants to relate to her on her mean level and have their heartlessness be the (laughs) kind of defining matching characteristic between the two of them so he tries to like he says the same dry things the same dry way he says it, but he has to kind of have this assertion about it that matches her assertion when she's kind of very cold about things. So I think there's this funny shift that he's able to play with him pretending to be heartless when we know he's not heartless and him still having to deliver it in this very monotone way. So he does kind of, you know, and she's testing him as well in a lot of ways. Um, because the, the we have a the woman called like the biscuit woman who's always trying to offer people biscuits and um, you know she seems very desperate and sad and no one ever wants to talk to her no one wants to match with her um, and she you know tells Colin Farrell that she's going to kill herself and jump out of her window um, and when she does she's jumping out of a first floor window so then she's just there like dying slowly and screaming. And so Colin Farrell's David says, hey, this is the perfect opportunity to relate to the heartless woman. So he goes over to her and starts, yes, and starts talking about how, oh, I hope, you know, I hope she dies soon because I'm trying to get some sleep and she's going to be too loud. But Then again, I didn't like her. So I hope she dies slow. And he's trying to like say these sinister things he doesn't mean to relate to this terrible woman because he's so desperate to make this match Um, so
0: unhealthy
1: right? so when he makes this terrible match with her by pretending to be heartless she can see through it like we talked a little bit about their sex scene how like you know they're having sex it's very cold she's just staring at him he even leans down to kiss her and she just gives him this evil look and so he like (laughs) that Away and does ends up not even trying to kiss her during sex, so it's just very like hard to watch him trying to like make it work. Um, and she sees completely through him trying to be this heartless person, and so her ultimate test is she just wakes him up and says, I killed your brother, and he and and he has to still play along because he knows, and you hear him, his voice is breaking. He wants to cry, but he's like, oh, uh, uh, great. That, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> like, trying to act like he doesn't care. And then he's like, I'm going to go brush my teeth. And then you see what she did. Because she said she was just yeah. kicking the dog and kicking the dog. She even mocks the noise that the dog made. It's, and knowing that this dog was a person horrifying. that meant something to him, that this dog was not just a dog. This dog was his brother like already dog death is very sad and hard and then to to that added layer of this dog being a person at one point in time right
0: it's 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 awful it's yes
1: so this properly, is what
0: properly awful
1: yes so this is this is the darkness in the film for sure um so this is what is kind of the jumping off for him to run away because she sees right through him she wants to now report him to the managers um and then he ends up running away from the hotel. So um, that's kind of how yeah. he ends up with the loner people, but just kind of the dark shifts in this film are really interesting and, um, in terms of how it kind of changes the characters. And and I and I like, this is how we shift to the next kind of phase of the film, because I know you were thinking it was kind of going to go with the hotel and be one way for a whole chunk of the film. And then when that shift happens, it was kind of a surprise for you. So I like that we get this kind of harsh thing to force that shift to happen. And then we're kind of settled in a whole nother side of the story for the last half of the film.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I, I love as we begin to close out the show, the way these two halves end, I think the end surprisingly quite similarly because yeah. we leave Colin Farrell actually at the hotel after this first half, when he's, you know, escaping and going to be with the loners and then the rest of it, he puts the psychotic woman in the transformation room.
1: But yeah. we never, we,
0: it's never revealed what he transforms her into. Or yes. What she or anything like that. We are left, it is left completely to our imagination. Uh, Colin Farrell's never willing to talk to Rachel Weiss later on about exactly what he transformed her into. So that's that lingering thing going yeah. on right in the back. And the movie itself ends with that as well, because after a certain time with he and Rachel Weisz, um naturally growing very fond of each other, well, Leah Sadu ends up finding out. Yeah. Um, ends up organizing a doctor, paying a doctor in the city to uh, blind Rachel Weiss under the guise of getting her short sightedness, the trait which she and she a yeah share. Um sorted out laser eye surgery, whatever it would be, but no, this doctor is paid by Leah to, to to blind Rachel Weiss, so romance is over between the yes. two of them, but is it but is it over between the two of them? They don't want it to be over between no. the two of them that we see them try to continue to make it work as as best they can and their very final scene of them that just the two of them colin farrell and rachel vice going back into the, city, yeah, they escaped to the in this city really really kind of nothing utterly emotionless diner atmosphere yeah. and she obviously being blind And quite quietly, Colin Farrell takes himself to the bathroom with a steak knife. And we see him pointing it towards his eye. We cut back to Rachel Vice drinking a glass of water and the movie ends.
1: Yes, with her just waiting for him to do what he needs to do. So we never know if he actually commits to... To blinding himself so that they can have a common trait and be together, um, because and, and I love the scenes of when she's blinded him asking her all these different questions of things that he can do to see if they can find common ground on any other level. Like, do you speak German? You know, all these different things. Do you do you know how to do this? Can you can you play the piano? Just to see if there's anything else they can relate to. And when they've there's nothing he can think of that gives them that common trait. Then he decides to run away with her. So you're already thinking, like, okay, he's chosen her. They've run away from yeah. the loners. They've uh, you know, this is dispatched this is the leader. True you know. Yes, they've dispatched the leader, they run away together to the city, they're gonna be together despite what society's telling them, what you know the loners are telling them, what the hotel's telling them, they're gonna be together. Um, but you know, they have to have this common trait. So this is, yeah. is he willing to do this? And we never find out if he's willing we to never go find with out. it. We see him hesitating a little bit, and then we just kind of end the movie there. So really interesting.
0: <laughs> is he willing to do what we almost want him to do, yeah. even though it's such a horrible thing this self mutilation.
1: Yes, I'm over here like can he just maybe blind himself in one eye so that you know he at least can be the eye for the, the two of them. Um that would still uh, count, right?
0: <laughs> yet I think it's so much more effective that it like the first half ends with us not quite knowing an important detail because while that first half leaves us hoping that he's done the worst possible thing to the psychotic woman. The end of the movie, the true end of the movie, leaves us with the hope that they can actually craft a life together because this will be one seemingly quite rare instance of genuine human emotional connection in this very robotic forced romantic world which is all we crave as people connection isn't it in any sense i think we crave connection with others as as one of our defining human traits so i love that it ends ambiguously like that i'm i'm never usually a, a massive fan of ambiguous endings. They have to really
1: be done well.
0: They have they have to be done well, and they to have to, to be done... Impact. Yeah, I think they are more successful when they are in concept movies. And I think yeah. this is a concept movie. You know, I don't think they're successful when they're in plotty movies. Yeah. Because when they're in plotty movies, you just, well, that plot hasn't finished. Yeah. Like, this plot... What plot? It's not interested in a plot, this movie. It's interested in, in an idea.
1: Yeah, and a concept. And a
0: concept. Yeah. So it does work because it keeps you thinking. What a great movie this was, Janine. I know we wanted to uh, say a couple of our own things before we truly <laughs> yes. close out uh, this <laughs> show. But if you want me to do my ranking
1: yes. of
0: not your average rom-coms. I think, admittedly, it's quite a simple one for this um this series, yeah. as it might just go backwards. If you look at the movies we do, it might just go this at one. Because <laughs> I don't think it can't not be. It's just by <laughs> far the best movie of the four. Yeah. 13 going on 30 is definitely the most fun of the four.
1: Yes, and we actually found some interesting layers within that film speaking to aging and getting older and, you know, yeah, wanting to get older and what that really means and I think we actually found like some deep things in such a fun movie with that too as well.
0: With with Nick and Nora's infinite playlist and a life less ordinary. I suppose that's that might actually be a life less ordinary above Nick and Nora's. And I still did very much like Nick and Nora's Infinite yeah. Playlist. And I
1: think it was the most traditional it to...
0: It was.
1: Because for me, the what sets it apart is the young people actually feeling like young people and this kind of musical through line being the kind of uh, catalyst element that kind of thrusts the whole plot.
0: Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, so I might I might go that actually not not strictly backwards, but let's go. Nick and Nora's at four. Life less ordinary. Thirteen going on thirty, and lobsters to uh lobsters to win the day.
1: All right, Today. okay, okay. So we did want to pose the question, uh, Morgan, if we were in this world, in this situation, at the hotel, yes. down to our last day, what would you do? And what animal would you choose to be?
0: What 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 would I do? I know. I think I know what animal. How I would,
1: would you choose. spend your last day?
0: How would I spend the last day? I didn't even think about this. You're throwing me right. I know. I know. We were just gonna all do, all do the that, animal, but now oh, I'm I'll... like, what would I do? Mm. It would be too easy to say I'd watch some movie. You could watch a movie as an animal. I don't see why you couldn't watch a movie as an animal. I mean,
1: <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've seen videos of dogs and cats and things watching movies, but, um.
0: I don't know. Mm, that's a horrible one. I've decided of my animal, though. We'll put this question as well on the on the Spotify little okay. question. Yeah. A at the underneath the episode so if you are listening on spotify even if you're not listening on spotify go over to its wonderful podcast on spotify and answer this question what animal would you be and what would you do for your last day if you were in the hotel i I think i'd be a panda though (laughs) okay because i just like i like bears bears have bears have kind of nice plodding around lives, don't they? Everybody likes pandas. Pandas yeah. also don't hibernate, so they don't waste half a year of sleep, even though they like sleeping. And they're not an endangered species anymore. And they they, they just get to munch on the favourite food all day and roll around and generally look big and cute. And I want to look big and cute please. Okay. I don't
1: like I that.
0: Pandas.
1: I like that. Even
0: though, because they're they're bears, they're still like aggressive and big and nasty, but they look so sweet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they're evil. Evil.
0: (laughs) So I I Um, don't know what I'd do with my final day. I truly, truly don't. I
1: mean, would you read a book? Because I mean, that's what Olivia Coleman suggests.
0: I I guess, no, I probably wouldn't read a book. I don't know. I really genuinely don't know. Because you could still listen to music as an animal. I'm going to I'm gonna have to take we'll time. Well, sing to a song.
1: That. Well, I mean, not, you can't. I don't know. What if you're an animal that doesn't have, like, ears? Like a snake or something. Pandas,
0: I'd <laughs> like to point out pandas <laughs> have ears, eyes, and a mouth. Yes. So I can sing. I mean, I can't sing, I suppose. But I can definitely read and watch things and listen to things. As a yeah,
1: panda. I
0: and I okay. don't sing that much anyway.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Anders. Yes, what would you be?
1: Um, I'd probably be a horse. Oh. A beautiful chocolate brown horse with a shiny um, you know, get to be outside and ride and, and be ridden, maybe, and, um, you know, enjoy a sense of freedom. Also be, Like a big,
0: huge horse or a little, tiny kind of...
1: I wouldn't want to be a little pony like that girl. I'd want to be like a, whole, a big, no. a majestic horse.
0: No, um a stallion.
1: Yes, perhaps. Um, yeah, getting to kind of run free and... Uh, but also, you know... Get to be useful and needed, and uh, in, in some and that's type true. Of way. Actually,
0: horses are useful.
1: Yes, so I think you know, as a horse, I would still, you know, I'm somebody who who likes to be of use to people and help people, and um, you know it's nice to be needed. And so, you know, to replicate that feeling through being an animal, I think you could get that with a horse and you'd also be very beautiful. I think horses are beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you'd get that sense of freedom riding, being outside and the breeze through your mane and, you know, all of that.
0: Uh, a, good, a good, good, solid choice there. I like that very, much. Well, there we go. Do let us know on Spotify what your choices would be. And that is one place you can find this show, of course, but it isn't the only show you can find because the main show, it's a wonderful podcast itself, is there every single Friday, of course, celebrating old movies over on that show. We'll be back with another new series next week on Morgan Hasn't Seen. For March, for March, that's what month it is coming next. Why (laughs) did I temporarily forget what time of year it was? I don't know what's going on in my mind today. I'm overcome with thinking about romance in all of its odd forms because of the lobster. My mind has been overwhelmed and and kind of nicely so, (laughs) actually. (laughs) It's very rare that would happen when you become overwhelmed in a almost pleasant way. Yeah. So I think this um or a positive way. I think this movie did that. So all the applause goes Yay. to the lobster. But yes, Morgan hasn't seen it and the main show It's a Wonderful Podcast itself. Find them on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe wherever you do listen, of course. Leave your rates, reviews and other such things, and answer those questions we put on Spotify. You can also subscribe and ding your notification bell on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel if you want to support us over there and all the fun stuff we have over there and put up over there. It's very exciting too. If you want to support us on Patreon or donate, there are links in the description to go and do that. We would love you forever and thank you endlessly for supporting us to that degree you can of course find us on social media as well on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple dawn with a three instead of the e And the because janine
1: three is a magic number
0: i love how i still refuse to call it x even after this like,
1: i know still call not. it twitter we do not
0: yes. just <laughs> always does call it twitter <laughs> Um, people people will people will say stop dead naming twitter but it's not a person it doesn't have any feelings i'm no. going to do it it's called twitter you can't take <laughs> that away um <laughs> you can find me at the purple Dawn on tiktok instagram and threads as well all your lobstery stuff is well
1: Ooh, you can find me janine bean underscore on twitter janine bean on TikTok, Instagram, and Threads. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows just check the description for the link or search It's Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com and if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my Big Cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com
0: There's definitely no fun impression, because I'm not going to try and get you to do some sort of ridiculous John C. Riley lisp that he was doing in this movie. (laughs) So perhaps just the Absolute most monotone voice you could possibly do, which is actually quite difficult, especially yes. for somebody like me who speaks <laughs> with outrageous inflection. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> three, two, one. Oh, that was very impressive. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> yes, Bye. Bye.